what you do in a B-movie. The end is a little bit ridiculous. I was unsurprised to see that. And it's sweet! Oh my gosh, you guys need to go watch it. It's so good. It's so good. I want to watch it again. Travelers, and welcome once again to the Before and After Show. As always, I'm your co-host, MJ Smith. And I am Ryan Buell. And we are joined today by a very special guest. I'm super excited that he's going to be on for a full episode of the podcast. Uh, This is uh, a personality that you know and love very well. Uh, Corey Tyndall is here to join us today for the whole hour-long episode. Hello, everybody. It's good to be back. I know. I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm so excited. As many of you know, Corey uh, was the old co-host of, of the Before and After Show before he moved to uh, Indiana. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're here today to talk about Rogue One, colon, a Star Wars story. And Corey and I have been through the ringer on the show <laughs> when it comes to Star Wars. So it feels only right that yes. he would make his triumphant return for, uh, <laughs> for the latest Star Wars movie. So that's why he's here today. Um, but before... We get into all that. We have a couple uh, bits and bobs to take care of. So what have you guys been watching this week? Uh, Corey, we'll start with you. All righty. Well, I actually have been extremely busy the past couple weeks. So I have not made, I don't know, I've not made it to the movies a ton. And I haven't really been watching a lot of stuff. I've seen... Uh, like my wife and I, Hannah, we like to watch kind of some of the really stupid, cheesy Christmas movies on Netflix or wherever you find them. So I've watched a couple of those. They're so bad, like I can't even remember what <laughs> any of them have been about. They're just more of like filler in the background. But the last couple movies that I've been able to see are Fantastic Beasts, which you guys talked about last two weeks ago. And yes. then I saw Arrival like a week or two before that oh yeah which, that's right which i know you saw i don't think you guys did an episode or we were gonna do anything on the podcast about that but yeah i saw that it was uh i liked it it was kind of different i would <laughs> need to see it again to really now when you uh, say different <laughs> like delve into that usually means this movie was crap but i don't want to be mean about it <laughs> It it had a really interesting premise, um, and I liked it. It was kind of doing the, uh, I don't know, like reverse like story structure thing at points, or like kind of it was like scattered parts. So you got different parts of the story at different times. And uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, when you get to the end of the movie, there's like a revelation that basically kind of makes you think like, oh, we weren't watching everything in chronological order. You know, so <clears throat> it's it kind of one of those. Um, and I like that device, but I just feel like it's been done in other movies better. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so but but the whole premise about like communication and linguistics and stuff like I liked that aspect. But I just I don't know. I kind of walked away like, OK, I liked it, but uh, there's there's some problems. <laughs> 
Yeah, I I think thematically, like, there were interesting things presented, but it never really mm-hmm. delivered on them because I didn't give a yeah. crap about any of the characters, really. So, and then that, I think that goes to why that the out-of-chronological, um, the nonlinear story structure doesn't really work in the movie either because, like, I don't really care. <laughs> yeah. I didn't care about anyone in that movie. And so it was like, well, sure, like, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> okay, they're a couple. I guess sometime before. When was I watching this? Yeah, so yeah. it's like. It's like, that's cool. Maybe I'll go back and watch it. I don't know. I just didn't leave with a ton of incentive to go see it again. Like, I, I don't know. So. If, yeah. it, if it came to Redbox, you know, I'd, I'd watch it, but. Yeah, so. Just kind of middle of the road for me. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I've been watching, so. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, Ryan, what have you been watching? Uh, my life's been pretty crazy. I haven't really had time to watch anything. Well, the last, the last literal movie I saw was <laughs> Muppets Christmas Carol. Oh, that movie. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's one of my favorites. Um, that does have Michael Caine. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes. <laughs> um, and Kermit the Frog and his piggy and, and all those guys. So that's just a... Feel good, watch it once a year Christmas movie, sing along to all the silly songs I got on there. and um, I don't know, well done movie if you've never seen it before. Uh, I think it was made 90s? Yeah. Came out in the yeah. 90s. Um, just a classic, you know, the retelling of the Muppets Christmas, uh, Christmas Carol with Gonzo. Gonzo's amazing in it. Yeah. He's my favorite. Is, uh, he plays Charles Dickens telling the story, and it's, it's pretty funny. So it's just... Good movie. Uh, been watching a lot more Last Man Standing, <laughs> so not nothing new. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, man, I love the Muppets. They're I great. I love the Muppets so much. They're so great. <laughs> um, I am on that Oscars creep. So do the creep. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm. It's a mad dash for me lately. Uh, seeing stuff that people are saying are on their top ten lists, and I have movie pass this month, so um, <clears throat> you know, I can go to a movie a day. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, so it's been kind of crazy for me. I saw Moonlight, uh, which I was really surprised oh, came yeah. to Bakersfield. Uh, really surprised came to Bakersfield, at least for an engagement rather than one-off. Um, so the movie's about uh, this kid this black kid who's growing up kind of in the projects of miami um he's kind of shy he his story mirrors a lot of young black people who live in projects uh you know his father's not in the picture mom's a drug addict uh it's just kind of fending for himself he's real quiet he's real shy he's not super into the culture that is in uh in that neighborhood and so he kind of is this outsider he's kind of always outside looking in he's bullied a lot because Mm of that um and it's sort of his life told in three parts um once as as a young child once as a teenager and then once as an adult and when i saw it's it's kind of winning a bunch of awards right now um when i saw it i really liked it uh and i still really like it and i was like oh that was really good I don't know if I'm as over the moon with it as a lot of fellow critics are and, and stuff like that. I rarely am when it comes to these kind of prestige pictures. But 
But I've thought about this movie every single day since I've seen it. So... Uh, <laughs> um, Good sign. Yeah. Uh, it's just... It's the narrative is really fascinating. It's told in three linear acts, but it's still just kind of snapshots of these three chunks of this guy's life. Um, There's kind of a reason why it's called Moonlight, but the biggest reason is they structured it like a sonata uh, and Moonlight Sonata by uh, Beethoven is a very famous piece of music. So um, that's why. Uh, And the movie plays... It's very poetic, and I don't mean like, oh, it has so much to say about life. It does, but it's it's structured kind of like a visual poem. Um, each, yeah. Each, uh, the scenes feel like stanzas in a larger whole. Um, he finds ways to rhyme the visuals here and there. Um, each... Each act, each one of the three parts has a very distinctive color palette. Uh, it's crazy well acted across the board. Mm. Um, when this kid, his name's Chiron. So when Chiron's a young, young boy, he kind of makes this, he ends up un, un, unbeknownst to him. Um, his mom's drug dealer ends up becoming his surrogate father figure. Um, he, it's just a guy who finds him hiding from bullies in a drug house. Uh, mm. he, he's bullied and he runs into this abandoned uh, drug addict apartment complex. And the guy who like runs the drug ring on that block tears open the window and finds him. And you find out later that's his mom's drug dealer. Mm. After he's already been this oh. like, really good father figure to him, mm. you find out like it's basically he's the one who's made his home life kind of a mess. Um, oh. And so that, like, it's it's... What I liked about it is it's very much about how that kind of stuff impacts how you turn out um, as yeah. a person, how that how your story leading up to who you are now affects the, like the way you make choices and the way you decide things. But what I also appreciated about it is it's not just uh, <laughs> this is a much. Uh, it's not just struggle porn the way something like Precious is, where it's like, doesn't this woman's life suck always? <laughs> um, you know, there are things that make you feel happy for him. There are things that make you feel bad for him. There are things you wish you could change for him. He feels like a person rather than just like a punching bag. Yeah. And a lot of these movies that take place with young black people living in the projects, it's just like, look how shitty their life is always. And it's like, that's not how anyone's life is, really. Um, so I like that. It's 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 definitely worth seeing. It's a much artier movie um, than some of the other stuff out there. So consider that your warning if that's not something you go <laughs> for. Um, but I'm glad I saw it. And then I saw uh, Swiss Army Man. Ooh, oh yeah, very good. I loved it so <laughs> much. Oh my gosh, it's so great. Um, and, you know, Swiss Army Man is a movie about Paul Dano, who is a guy who's stranded on an island, and a corpse watches, washes up on the beach, <laughs> uh, the corpse of Daniel Radcliffe, and he uses Daniel Radcliffe's bodily functions to find his way home. Uh, he <laughs> uses his farts as a jet ski and his erections as a compass. And as weird as that sounds... <laughs> It's great. Uh, the movie is so sweet and adorable. Um, Daniel Radcliffe, 
plays this magic corpse, and <laughs> he can talk. He's able to communicate with him, and but because he's dead, he doesn't really remember what being a person is like. So Paul Dano has to like explain how things work to him. So he's like very childlike, mm-hmm. um, and. It's just really sweet and wonderful, and it's so weird that I'm saying that about the Farting Corpse movie, but I am. <laughs> like, it's so great, uh, you know, and as I was watching it, I was like, you can't complain about they're not making original movies anymore, like, <laughs> no one else came up with this idea. So, is, yeah. the, movie, is the movie fantastical? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's not, it's not like he's imagining these things about the corpse, it's like, no, this corpse straight up. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The movie takes a very hard stance in its final moments that this happened. <laughs> okay. Because okay. that's what I, I thought it was going to be. He's this is how he's coping. No nope. corpse is doing this. Oh, no nope. so magic right. corpse, which actually is way better. Yeah, I think it's it's way better than that. that makes it the tone lighter. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. It really does. Um, but yeah, it's it's super funny. Um. Daniel Radcliffe is just so adorable, like I said, and like he's just always kind of wants to help out Paul Dano, but because he doesn't really know what the like what social cues are anymore, he like says stuff that's like way beyond it. He's like, "What? I'm just trying to help you out and be best friends with you," and you're like, "Oh, buddy." <laughs> um, <clears throat> it's so great. I loved it so much, and uh, the soundtrack is crazy, uh, but it works. It's it's. So weird. The way this, the way the music works in this movie is super weird because they will start it in the movie and then it'll transition into being the score. Hmm. Um, but it's mainly them acapella. So hmm. it's, hmm. it's Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe singing for sure. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's really well done. Um, it was written and directed by Daniels, who is a, uh, uh, Two guys named Daniel that are uh, writing and directing partners. They did the Turn Down for What by Lil John music video. So if you guys have seen that music video, you should know that the Farting Course movie is 100% in their wheelhouse. <laughs> um, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think that's all I watched. Um, that's all I watched that I give a crap about talking about. Um, <laughs> awesome. I, I guess... Guess I need to go see Swiss Army Man. It's a uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's an R-rated movie, so keep that in mind. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's it's real great. Well, I think when it'll you be say Daniel Radcliffe's erection. It's just through his pants. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why is it rated R? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like. Um, yeah. Are we yeah, gonna yeah. see Harry Potter dong? I mean, really? No, 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 no. <laughs> that was only in that play where he had sex with horses. Um, <laughs> That's right. Yep. He had a nude scene. <laughs> That's gross. Uh. Yeah, I think it'll be a hard sell for Hannah, Corey, so you may want to yeah. wait. <laughs> um, yep. Kristen really liked it, but I don't think Hannah will go in for it too much. <laughs> uh, it's I loved it so much. So as far as what's out on video right now, I really want to... Really, the two big ones that I'm missing for my year-end list are um, Hunt for the Wilder People and The Lobster. You still haven't seen Hunt for the Wilder People? No, but it's 99 cents to rent on Amazon this weekend, so I'm gonna... I I think today I'm gonna get around to it. It's one of my favorites of the year. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to that. Those are the two big ones, and then all the, like... The rest of them are the ones that are coming out at the end of the year, like La La Land and Fences and Silence. Heck yes! Heck yeah! (laughs) Corey and I are so excited about La La Land. 
Eh. Gosh, it's gonna be so good. It's gonna be so good. Oh man! If it's not my favorite movie of the year, I'm gonna be very surprised. Yeah, I, like, I don't I, know. Fences, man. Uh, fences fences come surprise me, man. Fences looks amazing. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's it. Uh, before we head on to our Rogue One talk. Uh, Corey, the stars aligned for you this week, man. Yeah, they did. Um, I know we kind of oh. got away from news, but the uh, the Before and After Show Film School will return in 2017. It's <laughs> just that Corey's schedule has been kind of intense lately, so um, yeah. finding time to record has been not as easy as it once was. Yeah, so we're going to do, instead of film school, we're going to do a... Uh, uh, a, a new segment, but I'm very excited to talk to Corey and Ryan about this. Uh, as yeah. I think they are both much bigger Spider-Man fans than I am, and <laughs> Ryan is at the very least Ryan's a much bigger comic book guy than I am. But Corey, <laughs> like Spider-Man, is your guy, and we yep, got the first is. trailer for Spider-Man: Homecoming uh, this week within the last couple days. So, what did you guys think of the Spider-Man: Homecoming trailer? Ryan, we'll start with you. Uh, I thought it looks really good. I think I think they're going the right route. He's in high yep. school and he's a high school kid. They're really doing that, and then he's a nerdy kid. And I really, I, it felt certain parts of the trailer made it feel like an indie film a little bit, which I think is kind of a yep. good feel. Uh, he's, you know, Peter Parker's just Peter Parker. He's a nerdy kid. I, I like his best friend they have with him. I thought that was unconventional. Yeah. And well done. It wasn't some pretty boy. It was a legit looking human being. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm really excited to see Michael Keaton go up against Peter Parker. He looks like he's going to be a legit threat. Yep. Uh, not just on the supervillain side, but on the conversational, like, he can outthink. And uh, I'd be curious to see the vulture. The costume looks legit. They even have the little feathers yeah, around sweet. his neck, like in the, like in the comics. A yeah. A homage to that. Um uh, I like the nods to the Avengers that they threw in there with the masks and the joking. Um, mm-hmm. I'm kind of ready. I, I, I hope Tony Stark isn't sticking around for the entire Spider-Man franchise. I kind of want him to go away and just yeah. have the Spider-Man universe because that's, uh, you know, it's a rich cast. You can fill it with so many other people. But I feel like they're probably doing it for this one just as a transitional thing to t- keep it grounded in the Marvel Universe. So Yeah. But overall, I loved it. That was good. Corey, what about you? Yeah, I... It was fantastic. Like, I saw it, and I was just like, oh my goodness, it's finally happening. Like, I'm getting another good Spider-Man film after so long. Like, the last <laughs> really good one was Spider-Man 2. Yep. So it's it's been it's been a wait for me. But, I, yeah, all the stuff you said, Ryan... Like Peter Parker, we're finally seeing him like back in high school. Like I, I like the kind of you know a lot of people are saying like oh it's got some John Hughesy type feel to it. Like it's very it feels very grounded. Like he's in high school. Like we're in his world most of the time. Like MJ, you posted some pictures where like Marvel's doing awesome world building with like a couple shots and like it's just the sense of like this is his world. This is where he lives in. Um. And it's kind of cool. It's like a different Spider-Man that we haven't seen. And they're kind of... I mean, we can talk a little bit more, but it's kind of an amalgamation of, like, Ultimate Spider-Man a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm. <clears throat> Just in terms of, um, you know, in the Ultimate Universe and even the Ultimate Spider-Man TV show, Spider-Man is, like, 
he's his own entity, but he's kind of tied into like Shield, um, or in like the Ultimate Spider-Man comic books. He has a lot of run-ins with other like Marvel superheroes and a lot of the stuff that they're doing with like the traditional characters. So you're like, where's Harry Osborn? Where's Mary Jane? Like, where's stuff like that? They're kind of going more of like the Ultimate route and kind of making these different kind of amalgamations of like this guy's his best friend, and they're even pulling some stuff from like. Uh, you know, like Miles Morales being Spider-Man. So mm. I'm I'm really excited. I think they're on the right track. I'm just really happy that, like, Marvel finally has control of, like, their flagship character. Yeah. And so I'm just... I mean, some people are like, oh, the trailer didn't do, like, a ton for me, but I trust Marvel. And I, I just... I know that they're going to do it right with Spider-Man. I kind of like that. It's like, obviously, it's in the MCU, but... I feel it's going to stand on its own enough. Like like you're saying, Ryan, I hope Tony Stark is in there to like a minimal amount. Mm-hmm. And I have, have some theories just from what we see in the trailer. Obviously, Spider-Man has his like Civil War outfit, but there's like a scene where it's like we see him like he's like laying on like the beach that looks like Coney Island and he's finding the vulture. So I have a theory that like he he's going to have Stark's suit for most of the um, movie, but then he like Tony's going to be like, leave the vulture alone, let us deal with it, and something happens, and I think Spider-Man's going to kind of, like, break away from the Avengers, and so that's why he's going to, like, put on his old suit and try to go fight Vulture. So that's kind of my theory, and that will kind of be, like, like we talked about, it will kind of be his segue into, like, Spider-Man's, like, out on his own now, but we know he's, like, in the MCU, so. Um, it's fine. Man. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I, and now for the dipping down. Yeah. Yep, yeah. 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 Um, it's all didn't, right. Didn't do a ton for me, to be perfectly honest. Holland, it, it looks fine. Um, I think it'll be good. Um, I don't know if it'll be great. Are you Vulture more excited for this weird. or Guardians? Oh, man. <laughs> um, Black Panther. Uh, well, I know. Like, excluding excluding Black Panther. I know. This I or Guardians. <laughs> um, I liked the Guardians trailer better, I feel like. Um, yeah, I do. Uh, I, uh, man, the soapbox on that one is, I really don't understand why Vin Diesel has to be the voice of Groot still. Mm. I don't know why he had to be the voice of Groot in the first place, to be perfectly honest. Uh, <laughs> star, star power? Yeah, I guess. But, like, they're, they're just pitching him up now, and it's like, well, you could have gotten anyone to do this! It's a modified voice anyways. Yeah, yeah, um... But anyway, the 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 Spider Man, uh, I don't know if it's quite a soapbox. I didn't like the way Vulture's face looked. Well, okay, <laughs> the mask. <laughs> That's the most generic statement I've ever. Heard. I was I like, like wait, you don't face. like Michael Keaton's face? No, 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 no. no. With, when he's okay. got the mask with oh, the green eyes, just like the yeah. I, I didn't even see the green eyes. Just yeah, like a, a silver dome or something. Yeah. Um. But I think a lot of that is... I. So here's actually what I think. I think they released the trailer a little too early. Mm. And I know they wanted to get a trailer out because, well, yeah. one, they're, they're, they're definitely going to be running both this and the Guardians trailer before <clears throat> Rogue One, and that's why they got them out. Yeah. But yep. the effects yeah. look really bad, and that's not like... 
that's fine because if you know, even if you go back and look at the Guardians of the Galaxy one trailers versus the final cut of the movie, the effects in the first trailers are terrible. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think they're even a little more undercooked than usual in this, and so they looked. I don't know. The effects look really shoddy to me. Mm. Like I said, I'm sure that's not reflective of the final product. Yep. Um, yeah. You know, the movie's still almost nine months away. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's not. That's not a problem, but it is a problem for this trailer in that I'm like, I can see it, you know? Even though I know it's going to look different by the end, it's just like, I was going to use maybe another couple weeks to render out and, you know, really um, polish the effects. Um, Another thing I didn't like is I felt like... I I don't know how I feel about him holding the barge together with the webs near the end of the trailer. Mm. It felt a little too Raimi. And I understand that it's probably an homage, but I kind of felt like they should maybe do their own thing. Yeah. Um, you know, like I don't I don't want <clears throat> I don't want Spider-Man from here on out to always be indebted to the Raimi franchise, even though it is kind of. Yeah. Um I just, I think going, like, not even doing any sort of visual callback and having this one kind of exist in a vacuum would be a better idea for it. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it just felt like the subway, you know, the, yeah, when he yeah, stops the subway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, uh, But, I mean, that's a very iconic thing. Spider-Man panel anyway, so, you know. Yeah. Like, even outside the Raimi films, but I get what you're, I get where you're coming from on that. Yeah, um, what did you guys think of the wings on the Spider-Man suit? I, I nerded it out. Cause that, that, it's that's, sweet, man. That's comic book lore right there. Because <laughs> yeah, it is. When they originally created, I think Steve Ditko was the guy who created the look of Spider-Man. Originally, yeah. it had the web pits or whatever you want to call them, and then they got rid of them, they brought them back, and it's kind of always been a part of the Spider-Man lore, is these web pits. Like, he's made yeah. jokes about it in comic mm-hmm. and, and in the story, so... I nerded out. It's definitely a, a tip of the hat to to true to yeah. the fans. Yeah, they're doing a lot of stuff. I mean, like obviously, even the title of the film, like Homecoming. But there's just a lot of stuff. Like even the suit that they decided to have him wear. You know, it's like kind of the throwback to the. Uh, I think it's the Romita era, like mm. when he was designing Spider-Man. So I like that. And then yeah, seeing like kind of the web wings again, where it's like. Oh, that's awesome! So I, I, yeah, I nerded out a little bit. I was like, "That's sweet." Yeah, I like that too. I know a lot of people said it looks a little busy with all the extra gadgets on it, but I was like, "That's kind of cool." Like, we've never seen a Spider-Man that has. I know um, Homeboy had the shooters and stuff like that, but uh, the Garfield Amazing Spider-Man. But we've never seen one go like all in on like a teched out Spider-Man suit, and so yeah. I like that. I think that's cool. Yeah, um, I do too, and I think. I think it makes sense to give it some functionality, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know. But but yeah, I uh, I'm on board with the suit. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I'm gonna see it. I'm probably gonna like it mm-hmm. a lot. But the trailer didn't do much as far as getting me excited. Well, yeah, and you know, we all know this. We have to temper our expectations with trailers because you know, like. Up to up till now, we've had like a couple good trailers for things. I know for me, like comic book movies, like oh that Logan trailer looks dope, but yeah. I know like the film could have tons of problems. But the trailer was cut awesome. The same way like 
the Suicide Squad trailer, like the second one, it was like, that looks sweet. And then we know how that ended up. So <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> According to one out of three of us here. Corey, did you see Suicide Squad? Nope. I heeded your advice. Not. Next question. I heeded MJ's advice. <laughs> oh, Whatever. Man. I'm bitter. Mike and I are talking about the worst movie of the year. Oh, crap. Uh, I saw that. This week on the YouTube channel. And uh, I'm going to have to change my answer so it's not both Suicide Squad, even though Suicide Squad is the worst movie I've seen this year. Oh, oh should I leave? <laughs> What is going to be in that extended cut? Maybe that'll make it better. I don't know. Hopefully a plot. <laughs> oh. This is the point where I just remain quiet. <laughs> and bitterness seeps in. Anyway, all that to say, trailers, <clears throat> I know, like, can be deceptive. Yeah. So, I trust Marvel. I, th- I agree with you. I feel like it was a little bit uh, undercooked in terms of they needed to get something, and I understand wanting to get it, like, out before Rogue One. But yeah, like, I mean, even the Guardians trailer, I think, was cut better than this one. But yeah. this showed me enough stuff that I was like, I'm confident that Marvel, I think they're going to make this movie, it's going to fit into the MCU, but I really hope it's going to kind of be like, it's its own thing to a certain degree. I know it's like, that's kind of hard to do nowadays, because it's like, everything's in the MCU, but I mean, uh, some of the... Some of the people involved with the film have said, like, we're really trying to make this kind of more of, like, an independent film that can kind of stand outside the MCU. So, I mean, like, we'll see, but I'm really encouraged. I think it's everything is going in the right direction. We'll see what they do with the villains. Like, there's rumor of, like, uh, like multiple villains in the film, but hopefully that's, like... Very, like, maybe just it's setting stuff up for the future, and, like, they're points in the plot of the film make sense like the tinker is supposed to be in this film uh, and shocker is supposed to technically be in this film yeah yeah shocker was seen on set um yep well and there's then some we, other... we got that shot of donald glover yep uh, there's in the there's yeah yeah the yeah there's speculation some people are going crazy that like um if you know miles morales's story it's like um his uncle or his dad is a criminal and so some people are thinking like maybe donald glover will be that character and so that could be a segue later into if they're going to bring miles into the universe but he would be the uncle character yeah Hmm. of of miles so i mean there's there's lots of stuff i don't really care i just want to see a good spider-man film (laughs) but um I, I, I trust Marvel, and I feel like if they have multiple villains, it's actually like they're going to serve a purpose. It's not going to be like, hey, we've got the Green Goblin, and we've got Rhino for like a minute, and we've got a really bad Electra. You know, like I just feel no Electra they know ruled what, in that movie. Anyway, sorry. They they know what they're they know what they're doing with these characters. At first, like I was like Vulture, but. Marvel has a good way of, like, pulling, like, weird IPs and stuff and making people love them. So I feel like they will find a way to do it. And like I said, they're they're pulling from a lot of different of Spider-Man's, like, Ultimate Spider-Man and some original stuff. So I, I trust them. Like, Vulture is not, like, my go-to compelling Spider-Man villain. He's kind of, like, B-tier for Spider-Man, but... They're going to make it work, and I think it's going to be awesome. So, I mean, either way, we're getting a sequel. It's been mm. announced 2019. Yep. yep, I saw that. 
Um, also, oh, that's what I really liked. I really liked Michael Keaton not in the suit when he was like, I'm going to kill you and your whole family. I was like, oh, crap. Like, yeah. he yeah. was really good. It's like a legit threat. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought that was awesome. I would like to see them do Craven the Hunter. I think that, that would be sweet. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like. I love Craven the Hunter. He's kind of a ridiculous character. Oh, it's goofy as hell. <laughs> but I think it would be sweet. They could make it work, and I... I'm looking forward to like their whole rationale of like why the Avengers don't step in to deal with Vulture. So like, I'm I'm sure they'll find a way to make it make sense. Like, why is Spider-Man having to do that? Because in the MCU, they're in a place now where it's like, okay, the Avengers could come. It's in New York, so like Daredevil yeah. could show up, or Jessica Jones, or Luke Cage now. So it's like, why Spider-Man? But yeah, that's true. Mm. So what it needs is a Punisher. Cameo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because that's how Punisher got his start. With Vulture? Yep. No, with Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. he debuted in a, an issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Really? Uh-huh. Huh. Uh, he was trying to go after Spider-Man. Did not know that. That's interesting. Classic. Daredevil and Spider-Man are good friends, so that could be sweet uh, in the future. Yeah, they are good buddies. Yep. <laughs> huh. Um, yeah, so I think that'll do it for uh, Spider-Man Homecoming trailer talk. Uh, do you guys have anything? Um, oh. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back to talk about Rogue One, a Star Wars story. And this week we're here to talk about uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. It's the first film in the, uh, I don't know, Star Wars. Yeah, the Star Wars anthology movies, the Star Wars extended Mm -hmm. universe movies. One shots, yeah. Yeah. um, Yeah. You know, it's it's part of the series of movies that are coming coming out every other year in between the uh, the numbered episodic Star Wars movies. Um, It seems like the majority of them are prequels. To, uh, at the very least, the original trilogy, um, if not the whole. I don't think any of them have been announced as being prequels to the prequels. Um, yeah. I don't think they I want th- to go back to the no, prequels. I don't, I don't <laughs> no, leave those in the past. Um, boo. Anyway, um, <laughs> the prequels turn are my Suicide Squad. Um, <laughs> Mine, too. Yeah, that's true. Um, right, Jake? So that's good. What's that? They at least have a plot from we can ask her. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, so it's it's uh, so this movie follows uh, the group of people who is charged with stealing the plans for the Death Star for the rebellion. Um, they're a motley crew put together by Mon Mothma, uh, who is one of the you know leaders of the rebellion, and it's it's them. It's like a heist movie. It's like a war heist movie set in the Star Wars universe in between episode three and episode four. Um, so it's kind of a story that hasn't really been told. It's been hinted at. It's been alluded to. Um, you know, I don't know if they were told in the books. Uh, it's not super my wheelhouse. Um, possibly. Um, you know, people are confused. The big confusion point for people is the many Bothans died to bring us inf- this information. That was for the Death Star 2. Yeah, um, Return of the Jedi. And Return of the Jedi, not in this one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
Uh, Clarification. Yeah. yeah. So, um, oh gosh, there's so many places we can go. Uh, we're not going to yes. do a full Star Wars rundown. You guys can go. I'll be posting the episodes <laughs> all this week leading up to it. Um, we have four episodes about all the episodic Star Wars movies. Uh, I actually was on Facebook the other day and um, my memories uh, showed up and I <laughs> clicked on it and it was our original uh, where we talked about all six of them, Corey. And, yeah. And had our friends interviewed and just us talking about all six movies before I added any interviews in was two hours and 43 minutes. Whew. Oh, man. And then we yes. did another two hours with uh, Jake Barton about episode yep. seven. Um, so you can find all those. I'll be sharing them on Facebook <laughs> this week, I'm sure. But um, I think where, where we should start is this model, you know... Every year a Star Wars, every other year a an episodic one on the years there's not an episodic one, there's kind of these one-offs. I know it's kind of too early to say whether or not that's a successful model, but do you think it's a model that can work? I would say yes, based off the Marvel Universe. I think, I think Disney's found a formula, and they're running with it, which is... You pump out the if people are buying your product, you pump out more of it. Um, keep the audience wanting it. Um, I it's working, but is it sustainable? Mm-hmm. I think is the big question. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think I think with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I I what I've said many times, I think people are gonna get burned out by superhero movies. Star Wars, though, I think Star Wars is such is so ingrained in the American culture. I really don't see it burning out anytime soon. Uh, especially if you got one a year. Um, that's my thought. Sure. Um, so what I would say is, is it sustainable for... I, that's, I think that's the question I was getting at originally. Is it sustainable for people beyond just the hardcore fan base? Because a lot of people are confused about, well, why doesn't this have a number attached to it? Where are Ray and Finn? You know, the more yeah. casual people aren't, like, they, they don't really understand it. You know, people like us who are super entrenched in it, yeah, we know what's going on, we're on board with it, we keep up with it, we follow it, but mm-hmm. is that fan base really going to be enough to keep it going? Yeah, because I think people are going to see yeah. Star Wars no matter what, whether they understand or not, because I, I think Disney does a good job of this, too, is they'll get you caught up, especially because they got the crawl in front. This is set before episode four, so... You know, not not to put it this way, but they, they know how to speak to people. They know how to dumb it down and be like, "This is what's happening." Now watch, and I think people are gonna go see it whether they understand or not because it's Star Wars. You go yeah. see it because that's that's in our blood. <laughs> I don't know why I said it that way. I feel sorry. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Rogue One doesn't have a crawl. It doesn't. Nope. Well, screw nope. This movie. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan's out. I'm out. I'm outy. Corey, what do you think about this model? I I think this model uh, is it could work, but it's kind of like I say that with caution. Like, um, is this how sustainable is it? And that's the big question that we're all talking about. I think I think there's enough in the fan base that because Star Wars is just almost like you know the fans love it and it's like a household name in America, people are going to go see it. My big concern is in terms of quality Mm. and um kind of like coherence and like 
will all of these be able to be like coherent with each other? Like, are they going to start pumping out so many that like, you know, are we going to contradict things we did or like they're just going to diminish in quality? And that's kind of my fear. You know, I feel like it's a fear that we have for like Marvel. Um, and so I just feel like that could, that could eventually happen to Star Wars. Like whether or not that's going to happen in the next four to five years, especially if they only stick to doing one, um, Probably, probably not. But I mean, it could happen if all of a sudden they're like, "Hey, we're gonna do two a year," or "Hey, like we're gonna start." Um, you know, people might lose interest if like the different subjects that they choose to focus on. So, like honestly, like there's the talks of the Han Solo movie. I'm not really excited for that. I just think there's other things that they could do. So it's like a combination of these factors. I think moving forward, like the coherence, the quality. And the subjects that they choose, like that's going to really kind of be indicative of if this is going to succeed. Yeah, I agree. And that's the thing is, it's hard to do these one-off movies. I think, especially because you can't just start throwing the old Republic at people. People are going to be like, "What the f is this?" <laughs> um, you know. But at the same time. Yes. The hardcore fans, that's what they want to see on screen. They want to see these stories that aren't connected with these, you know, now seven um, episodic movies that we have. Because it makes the universe feel really, really tiny. And those of us that are uh, uh, big fans of it, we know that it's so, like, it extends so far beyond the boundaries of the Empire and the Death Stars and the Skywalkers and the Jedi and the Dark Side. Like, there's so many more stories that you can tell, but it's whether or not that it's feasible to get butts and seats besides the hardcore fan base for it. Yep. And I honestly don't think this movie is going to do Force Awakens numbers, and I think people are going to be confused about why, and that's why. <laughs> Um, I don't think it's going to br- draw in the general audience the way something with a number in front of it is. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but, well, I mean, we'll see how it goes. You know, like doing Young Han Solo, really uninteresting to me. Um, seems yep. very safe, even though yeah. it is. I know it's a big risk to be like, oh, you're recasting the iconic Harrison Ford part. Yeah, sure. But it's probably a little bit of well, a testing ground to see if they could do that so they can do other mini episodic ep- uh, movies casting younger characters to play uh, Luke. I really like, hope they don't I, do oh, that. I know, uh, I'm, I'm no. feathers here, but I feel like that's <laughs> probably a little bit of what they're doing here. Is yeah. like, can we do that? Will the fans let us do this? <laughs> yeah. It's kind yeah. of the, the feel. Now they're feeling what George Lucas felt, which is, I'm no longer <laughs> in control of my franchise. I'm controlled by millions and millions of nerds. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true, because I feel like they do still have some sort of ownership over Marvel, mm-hmm. and like the fan base for Star Wars is in like insufferable sometimes yeah <laughs> um yeah and Let's just be honest and so they can get a little um aggro about who, who it belongs <laughs> to yep. and which you know lucas saw with the prequels but even though i don't ascribe to really any of the prequels being outright uh, uh, atrocious um the, the thing that's gonna be i think easier when one of these movies is bad the argument i would have is that the force awakens is not great um Mm -hmm. but when one of these things does ultimately disappoint the populace at large this series has been through disappointment before and people have stuck around for it Mm -hmm. it's going to be really interesting to see what happens when they finally make a bad marvel movie Mm -hmm. um 
because as much as I don't really like Iron Man 2, um, I, I, it's, it happened early enough on in the MCU to where it's a little bit, they were able to recover from it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. the, the Marvel machine is gigantic. The Marvel machine right now, as far as, uh, well, maybe not. Um, it, but it, it's getting close to as big as Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they haven't really had a shakeup yet. Mm-hmm. And so once people see it and people are like that, the majority, once the people, majority of people see a Marvel movie and go, that was bad. Not that was okay. Cause I think most people think Thor two is just okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But when people are like, no, that's a crap movie. Like that movie sucks. It's going to be really interesting to see how Disney handles that. Mm-hmm. But I think if they make a star Wars movie that sucks, in the next few that they have planned, it'll be easier for them to recover than if they make a Marvel movie that sucks. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. So we'll see. I'm I'm really kind of fascinated by the business of <laughs> of, of all of that, um, especially with Disney kind of monopolizing blockbuster entertainment this year. Um, yep. Whether or not, like, I, monopolies aren't like the best thing, um, <laughs> because when you're when you're when you're going uncontested, why should you make them good? Mm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I know people are going to vote with their wallets, but at a certain point, like, you're going to get this fan base and be like, well, you're just going to see whatever we throw out that has this name on it, so why do it? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and Disney has a pretty good track record of quality stuff. Um, you know, they've had more hits than misses. They've had misses, for sure. Mm. But they've yeah. had more hits than misses, so... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens when one of the legs on this big thing fails. Mm. Um, and speaking of uh, one of the legs on this big thing failing, one of the more controversial aspects headed into the movie is there's a lot of rumors about what happened on reshoots. The movie had to go into reshoots earlier this yep. year, not too long before the movie had to come out. Did it go into reshoots? And some people said they were reshooting 75% of the movie. Some people said that people came in and ghost directed it for Gareth. Yeah. Edwards. People said that they brought in new writers to rewrite over half the movie. Like it's, but none of this has been confirmed. So there's yeah. a lot of like, there's a lot of rumors going around about like what the reshoots were, what they meant, what they did. A lot of people are like, it doesn't really matter as long as, like, I don't care about what happens in the kitchen as long as the meal is good. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people see reshoots as being kind of built into the schedules for these huge blockbuster movies. Um, J.J. Abrams came out. You know, he obviously has a vested interest in Star Wars now because Bad Robot is producing them. He came out on The Nerdist and was like, look, man, like, when I finished the the first Star Trek movie, we ended up going into reshoots, and all reshoots mean for me is I go in and I, you know, when we're on location shooting these big action set pieces, we only have a limited amount of time on location to get these action sequences filmed and in the can. So we focus on getting all the big wide shots filmed. And then what we do, we go in, we cut everything together and we go, okay, this sequence will work better if we add some close-ups of people um, so we can see the emotion, like it ties the emotion of the set piece into the larger um, uh, set piece. And so what they did is, uh, the example he used was the scene at the beginning of the first Star Trek movie where James James Kirk uh, steals his dad's car and he's listening to the VC boys on it. And oh, yeah. they didn't have any of the close-ups of the kid driving the car. They just mm. had the wide shots of the car driving through the desert. Um, and then they went on a back lot and got the close-ups of the kid driving the car and then inserted them into the movie. 
th- that was fine. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so it's it's kind of a lot. I, don't, I mean, do reshoots matter to you guys? And, uh, you know, the, the other example is Fantastic Four had a pretty troubled production as far as reshoots <laughs> goes. Uh, Suicide Squad this year, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, right, yeah. you, you did like it, but <laughs> most people really didn't like it. Yeah. And a, a lot of people think that the reshoots are a reason why. Um, I would agree with that. I mean, uh, not to, we're talking about Star Wars, but, you know, I think a company, a film company can metal in a movie and make it a worse movie. I think that's probably yeah. what happened with Suicide Squad because mm-hmm. I yep. believed in the director. I, I I see the good in that movie. You know, I see the bad in it too. I'm not blind to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I see, I see what the director was trying to do but I think the film company messed with it and I think, you know, that could be a valid argument for Star Wars. Um, but yeah. I, I personally, like you said, you know, I, I, I don't care how the food is made if it's a good product it's a good product yeah um but... yeah yeah cory what about you yeah i i feel like i kind of tend to lean that way ryan um it is interesting to know like what is happening behind the scenes and i feel like you know jj abrams like you said mj like you know he describes reshoots in one way but i feel like across the film industry there's like different connotations of that word so you know like someone says oh i'm doing reshoots it's kind of like touch up and insert shots like Mm -hmm. for you know that character development where like other people hear reshoots and it's kind of like you know gloom and doom like oh wow like most of everything we shot is crap we have to go back like you know to the drawing board and start again so i just it's kind of hard to know when people talk about reshoots like where like where in that realm like are they like does the definition of that word fall so i mean i and and it's hard because things like fantastic four things like suicide squad i would agree like the studio it feels like probably stepped in way too much and kind of like mangled what the director's vision of those things were you know whether or not like josh trank could have given us a good fantastic four film like we can debate that but um you know it does seem like the studio's involvement did alter you know his vision greatly and so i i don't think that is out of the realm of possibility for star wars for that to happen but i i would like to think that disney with some of their track record and even some of the films they've done this past year and, you know, previous that the people, the personnel that they choose for these films, that they believe in them. Um, so they wouldn't want to meddle too much. I know there's something to be said of like, Hey, this is, has to fit within this kind of tone and parameters. And, uh, rogue one was kind of that outlier. And that was really trying to do something different. And like, we'll see. And, you know, people have already said, yeah, it's still, a pretty different and like darker star Wars movie, how much of that, like Disney interfered and maybe had to like temper that darkness. I mean, like I, maybe we'll never know. So I, I don't know. Yeah, that's true. And I think, I think you brought up a good point as far as I think a lot of it has to do with the type of creator involved. Mm-hmm. Um, 
<clears throat> Josh Trank. It was only his second movie. Um, you know, there's reports about whether or not he was having like super crazy cocaine fueled parties. Yeah, using the budget of the movie. <laughs> but then certain people think that might be a rumor that the Warner Brothers was trying to start to kind of have an excuse for why they meddled <laughs> with the movie so much. Um, uh. And you know. J.J. Abrams, super well-established. People love that guy. When yeah. He made, when he made uh, Star Trek, everyone was super into Lost still. Um, you know, he, he could have done no wrong at that point until Lost. <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, uh, Suicide Squad, David Ayer, kind of known to be hard to work with, uh, you know, really kind of brash and opinionated. You know, this is the guy who, at the premiere of Suicide Squad, instead of um, doing kind of like what we saw Zack Snyder do this week, where he released the trailer for Batman v Superman with a bunch of Star Wars stuff in it, um, reaching across the aisle and saying, like, hey, I hope you succeed. Uh, David Ayer at the premiere of Suicide Squad said, F Marvel on stage. (laughs) Um... So, yes, I did see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more of a volatile personality. Gareth Edwards, um, this is his second big studio production. His first was Godzilla. It was pretty well received. Um, whether or not it's held up over the last two years, I don't know, because I haven't revisited it. Uh, I liked mm-hmm. the movie quite a bit. Um, he did an indie movie before that called Monsters. I think he's a talented filmmaker. I think out of the, the three that I mentioned, he might be the most talented for specifically blockbuster-type filmmaking. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think it all depends on what kind of a creator they are. You know, everyone's got a different personality, um, and some people are able to roll with it. Some people aren't. I know Disney has had accusations of kind of ruling these universes with an iron fist. Um, not the comic book character, uh, but... (laughs) You know, Edgar Wright was tapped to direct Ant-Man, and they had yeah. announced that back when they announced Iron Man 1, and it took forever, and then Edgar Wright left Ant-Man, and a lot of people, um, he didn't really talk about it, but a lot of people suspected that maybe Disney wanted him to tone down the Edgar Wrightness of it all in order to serve yeah. the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, um, you know, Gareth Edwards, his style isn't as... Uh, and this isn't a knock on him. His style isn't as bold as Edgar Wright's. You know, Edgar Wright has a very specific style. You can you can watch ten seconds of an Edgar Wright movie and know you're watching an Edgar Wright movie, even if you haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, or yeah. you don't know that he's the director. Gareth Edwards, not so much. Um, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I, I... But at the same time, all I want are good movies. <laughs> Yes, you know. Yes. Um, so, so it's I don't know. It's 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 kind of in between for me. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, so with all those out of the way, what what do you guys expect out of Rogue One? Or are you excited for it? Do uh, you think it's weird? Um, <laughs> what, uh, what what do you guys where do you guys fall on on the hype train? I guess. Uh, Corey. Uh, it's weird. I was talking to some friends about this over lunch. I feel like you and I were way more inundated and like maybe aboard the hype train last time this year, like leading up to episode seven. And I know like there was a lot of other stuff like this is the first star Wars movie in so many years. And you know, Oh, we got some of the old cast coming back and all this stuff. And so I just feel like I was more in the thick of it. Um, and I was excited and, you know, episode seven is fine. Um, but I feel like for this one, I don't know if it's just like my life circumstances or 
just for like the general public, maybe it's just not as hype worthy. I don't really feel like I'm I've gotten the same sense of like how it was like last year when episode seven was coming out. Um, and I don't know. That's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm excited for the film. I think I think I'm going to like it better than episode seven. Um, I'm really looking forward to this kind of new direction and departure for the Star Wars series that we haven't really seen before. All the trailers have looked very promising to me. I, I've kind of kept things like like story at an arm's distance. Like I haven't like really gone and like looked for spoilers, but things look really like promising from like what I've seen so far. Yeah, Ryan, what about you? Uh, I'm uh, ecstatic to go see this film. I think it's going to be amazing. I am way more excited for this than I was for The Force Awakens. And I was really excited for Force Weekends, and then I saw it, and I hated it the first time I saw it. And I, I've, I've learned to like it since then. But that being the key phrase, I had to learn, learn to, to like, like it. it. Yeah. Was it like, was it a knee jerk hate, Ryan? You're oh, just like, was, gosh, I hate the. I remember, I remember very vividly sitting next to my wife. The credits rolled, and she looked at me, and she goes, "That was amazing." And I was just fuming. And she was so upset. She's like, "Why didn't you like it? Because it wasn't good." Um, <laughs> So I just, oh, you know, man. just very. I remember that. But this one, I'm, I'm, I'm down for it. I think it's gonna have heart. It's gonna have good characters. I like that the director is paying a lot of homages to very George Lucas type things. You know, the based off the trailers, we're gonna have kind of a, a bit of a central story of a daughter father kind of relationship, mm-hmm. um, which mm-hmm. I think kind of mirrors the things that Lucas has done with you know Luke and his father. Um, yeah. Anakin, and I'm excited to see that. I, I think that'll be well done. I think he's gonna add his own little wrinkles to the Marvel universe, you know, with the the weird Star black... Wars universe. Star Wars. What did I say? <laughs> Marvel. Marvel. Sorry, the Star Wars universe. I think the director's gonna add his own little wrinkle to it with those weird Death Troopers and yeah. all in black, and I think yeah. that'll be kind of cool. So he's able to stick with the universe, but still add his own little spin to it. Um, this mm. movie looks, even though it's going to be darker, it looks more fun. And I think it's going to pull on my nostalgia more because it's set in the same time frame as Episode 4. So you've got the Stormtroopers looking the same as they did in Episode you know, 4, 5, and 6. You've got similar technologies. You've got characters that you're more familiar with. Even you know, Well, you know what I mean? Like Mon Mothma mm. and yeah. Rebel Alliance. You know, It's kind of set in that era, the, the pre part. Uh, I think yeah. the villain guy... The big the Grand Admiral guy mm-hmm. in the white cape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. looks good. And but the thing that I'm really excited for is Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think Darth Vader needs a little bit of redemption in terms. Besides, you know, the George Lucas <laughs> redemption story. Yeah. I mean, like in terms of film, I think yes. Darth Vader needs redemption. And and I hope what they do with him in this movie is he's ruthless mm-hmm. and he just is killing yep. suckers yep. left and right. And he's not whining about freaking sand. He's just killing people <laughs> and taking out. I just want to see the fear. Of, I want him to be a legit uh. threat in this movie. And, you know, I, I, the, I know the movie's not about him. It's about these other characters. I know he's just in it. But I hope that the time we get to spend with him is time you're just like, this is why this character is so popular. This is yeah. why he's endured, endured for so long. Um, so I'm, I'm a, over the moon excited for this. It's... The, but the part, we need to talk about this. First trailer came out for Rogue One. Mm-hmm. The line about, well, this is a rebellion, right? 
Arbel. That's got to be the worst line ever written in cinema. I mean, seriously. It Worse than the sand <laughs> thing? Oh, okay, it's tied. But just delivered uh. with such like, oh, you're being ironic. Uh, that was crap. Uh. But, no, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I think it's going to be a fun, amazing movie. Um... I can't believe you're going to make me justify the damn sand line, but I feel like I have to address this what? before I get into mine. Do it. He's not Darth Vader yet. That's true. Um, that doesn't make it worse or better. No, no, no. no. Uh, it's garbage, and that's one of my favorite I hate Anakin reviews. Skywalker. Um, but he's not He's not Darth Vader yet. That's true. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, <laughs> Choo-choo, y'all. I'm so on the hype train for this movie. I wasn't, and then out of nowhere I was. I don't know what happened. Um, I'm crazy excited about this movie. I think it looks super dark and, like, messed up. It looks like it's got, like, it's a Star Wars movie that is a war movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Darth Vader looks amazing in it. My favorite thing about this so far that I know of, or that I can fathom, None of these people are related to Darth Vader. They have no reason to give a crap about this guy. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. from their perspective, he's just Space Hitler. Like, <laughs> yep. That's yep. it. And yep. like all he's doing um, is coming to exterminate the people who are not on his side. Like That's yeah. it, as far yeah. as they're concerned. I understand that there's probably a high-ranking official in his uh, regime who's who is the father of um, you know the main character, Jin Erso. Um, but... He's not Darth Vader. He's just one of his right-hand men. Like mm-hmm. Darth Vader still is the he- the figurehead of all that. And so I'm yeah. super excited about that. Yeah. Um I think they got a cool cast, a bunch of like yep. indie people to do it. Mads Mikkelsen is mm-hmm. in it. I love Mads Mikkelsen. He's great as Le Chief in uh Casino Royale. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ben Mendelsohn, who's on the excellent Netflix series Bloodline, he's great in that show. Um, he's the he's the the guy we're talking about. We I don't even know the character name. Um, oh, the Grand Admiral. Yeah, the Grand Admiral guy. Yeah. It looks like there's a young Grand Moff Tarkin in this movie. Oh, I don't even know. Yeah, that. there's a couple shots where you can see Moff Tarkin by, like the back of his head. Nice. Um, I think the woman they got to play Mon Mothma is like spot on. Yeah, she was in the mm-hmm. prequels. Oh yeah yeah yeah. That's right. That, That's so. right. Yeah. Um. I, I'm super on board with this movie. Uh, Forrest Whitaker looks kind of awesome. Yeah. And yeah. I'm super excited yeah. about. Yep. Uh, yep. Every, I don't know, everything about the characters in this has me excited. And that's more than I can say for The Force Awakens, even though I think the characters were the best and strongest part of The Force Awakens. Yeah. None of them individually stood out to me until I saw the movie. On this one, I want to know everything about all of these characters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, what's their stake in this whole thing? Yeah. Like, why are you doing this? It's a suicide mission. And this movie yeah. better end with everyone dying. Like, like most of the people, most of the people in this have to die. Um, I I just think it looks super cool. Um, I think the sense of scope that Gareth Edwards has lent to these ships is amazing. Um, there's that one shot of the Death Star in space, but it's upside down. And I was like, that's amazing because there's no direction in space. Like, there's no up, down, left, right when you're in space. So, like, of course it would look like that, but it wouldn't matter really either way. I don't know. I thought that was so great. Um, you know, these ships look huge. They have the new, uh, 
ATACTs that are have the yeah. the brown on the side, yeah. whatever that's about. Like, yeah. you know, I'm just I, there's beaches. We've never seen beaches in yeah. Star Wars before. I'm excited hmm. to see new terrain, not just Tatooine Part Two. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. There's just so much. It looks like they did everything right. Can we talk about the musical score mm. that's going to be in this movie? Hmm. Giacchino. Yeah, it is so beautiful. Like, from the very first trailer where it's the piano, mm-hmm. I think it's, I don't know music, but it's a lower tone than um, than the original, you know, the Darth Vader theme or whatever it is. Yeah. I'm just, you're just hooked mm-hmm. from that point. And all the music is just so John William, but on crack, if you will. Like Sounds pump, like Michael Giacchino. Pump to 11. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. Um, they got Michael Giacchino, who uh, I think is, when he's great, he's incredible. Um, mm-hmm. No pun intended, because he did the incredible <laughs> score, and that that uh, score is really good. Um, he yep. also did the Speed Racer score, which I love. <laughs> um, he scored War before, um, in that he did some scores for the Medal of Honor games. Oh wow! So he knows how to write score, and those are amazing. Yeah. Um, and he knows, so he knows how to write um, for war stuff. So. You know, like, I kind of hope this movie's crazy violent. I know it's weird <laughs> to say that, but I feel like it has to be. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, I think the score is going to be going to be exceptional. Um, I'm just, I don't know. It's, mm-hmm. you know, we were talking before we started. Um, I inundated myself a little bit more than you guys did on the, the premiere was last night at the time of our, this recording. Everyone on my Twitter was freaking out about it, but it's one of those things where you have to take it with a grain of salt because, you know, <laughs> they're wined and dined by Disney. All the stars of the movie are there. You get dressed up and go to the movies. They had X-Wing sitting outside of the uh, Pantages Theater. Mm-hmm. They went to That's a big awesome. bar afterwards where there was just like a TIE fighter hanging over the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the bar, I'm sure, was an open bar because <laughs> um, yep. that Disney money. Like, yep. uh, you know, they, did, <laughs> they did a lot to really endear these people to them, so... I mean, uh, I, 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 but the consensus was overwhelmingly positive on uh, on my Twitter last night about this movie. Um, you know, da- the the one that seemed the most balanced was uh, Dan Casey from Nerdist said that the movie is dark, violent, and full of subterfuge and intrigue. And I was like, that sounds so good. Mm-hmm. Like that sounds like exactly what I need out of this movie. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm I'm really excited. I also saw what film critic I followed that said he and his wife after the movie went and watched all the trailers for Rogue One, and over fifty percent of the footage from the trailers didn't actually make it into the movie. Oh, hmm. which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Which means that they added stuff into the trailers to keep some of the secrets from the movie hidden. Oh. Um, because I was, that was the other thing, is I kept hearing there are several twists across the movie that are going to have your jaw hit the floor. Um, so I don't, like, I don't know, man. Like, that, that really threw me. Um, and usually I kind of hate when footage from a trailer isn't in the movie. Yeah. But this might be the exception to the rule. Like, that sounds kind of sweet. Yeah. Kind of a bold move there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think we have to acknowledge the irony that even though maybe it's not going to do the Force Awakens numbers, even though the general populace, uh, you know, Joe Sixpack moviegoer probably isn't going to go out of their way to see this particular Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. 
How crazy is it that Disney has people excited for a prequel to Star Wars? <laughs> yep. They know what they're doing, man. They are they are masters of the marketing and I mean all the IPs that they control. So it's just so doesn't like, surprise the, me. People hate the prequels to these the original trilogy, <laughs> and. Then Disney came out and they were like, hey, we're making some prequels. And everyone's like, yay! And what? <laughs> I don't know. That's so weird to me. I, that's so weird to me. But yeah, um, I don't know. Do you guys have anything else to say about Rogue One? No, I'm excited. It's gonna, I think it's going to be amazing. So that's, Yeah, that, um, that's oh, man, I think it's going to be so good. Uh, Corey, what about you? I think, I think it is going to be fantastic. Um, I I know this is like... I don't know if it's bad, but I'm envisioning, like, I hope that most of the main characters die in this film. Yeah. Like, I just... That's kind of <clears throat> like, I keep hearing from people. I'm, I'm envisioning the last scene. I hope it's, like, something with, like, Darth Vader, and, you know, we don't see too much of him, but maybe we see him for, like, ten minutes, and it's like he corners them, or he corners Jin, and, like, maybe up to that point we've seen a lot of her comrades, like, do stuff, and they slowly die, and so it gets down to her and him, and maybe she's able to send the transmission of the plans, and then, you know, he kills her or something like that. Like that's kind of the, that's kind of the sense I want to leave this movie from. Like, you know, they did something very heroic, but it's like tragic. But it's just, I don't really feel like I've gotten that sense of, I don't know, like emotional uh, depth from a Star Wars movie in a while. And so I'm looking forward to, to getting that out of Rogue One. Not like Force Awakens had no emotions, but I mean, you know, yeah, like it, yeah, we saw. <laughs> you guys were there. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I had one other thing I want to talk about, and I don't remember what it was. How much you like? I don't know. Star Wars, yeah. the main characters. Uh, oh gosh overall plot of this movie, how it fits into the timeline. What was it about? Oh, that's what I was going to say. Also, I kind of love that there isn't going to be a crawl. Um, Try something different? Yeah. Like, I, that's, yep. I think that's cool. And, like, near as I can tell, like, a lightsaber doesn't really show up in this movie. It would be. Yeah. Well, maybe Darth Vader. Well, yeah. Darth Vader. Yeah. There, yeah. Won't be, I, there won't be a battle, lightsaber battle, but there yeah. will be some lightsaber dismemberment. But there's force, there's force sensitive people, and which is another cool thing that Rogue One is doing where we get to see how other people besides Jedi, like, react and respond to the force mm-hmm. and, like, kind of their whole position to it. So I'm, that looks really interesting because we haven't really seen that yet. It's always just been Jedi and Sith. And, like, I like that, but I'm like, well, we have this whole universe where we know there's all these different peoples and all these different races, and there's other people who are, like, aware of the Force and who are Force-sensitive. You know, like, Maz Kanata we saw in Episode 7. So it's like, how do these other people groups relate to the Force? And how do these other people groups relate to what the Empire was doing at the time? You know? So I'm excited to see that. Yeah, I think it's going to ground it. I, You know, I think it's it's like, it's a Star Wars movie about a bunch of blue-collar people. Basically, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's awesome. Like, that, oh man, that sounds so sweet. <laughs> yeah, I'm crazy excited for it. Uh, all three of us will be back next week to talk about uh, our thoughts on on um, 
Force Awakens? No. <laughs> the Force Awakens. On Rogue One. Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Uh, <laughs> until then, you can find me on Twitter at MJSmith891. Uh, Corey, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at CanTheHat49 and on the YouTube channel. Yeah! Corey bringing it down on the on the YouTube channel. Just posted a thing about Whiplash. Uh, and then you've got Game Space over there as well. Um, yep. Right? Uh, I know it's been a couple weeks since we've gotten one, but I assume it'll come back uh, pretty strong in the new year. Uh, yes, yes. Especially as it comes closer to Switch time. Heck yeah. Uh, yeah, and these are the last two episodes for the year, you guys. Uh, after next week's Rogue One, um, I, we may have one more YouTube channel, but the last week of the year we're going to kind of take off, um, spend some well-deserved time with our families. You should do the same thing, and we'll be back in the new year um, with all kinds of fun stuff for you guys. Um, I'm super excited about where this is headed. Uh, you can find my writing at wordofthenerd.com. Uh, right yeah. news, stories every day, uh, mm-hmm. uh, every week out there, a feature a month, if not more. Um, you can hear me talk about uh, the new Fast and Furious trailer if you listen, if you go <laughs> check the site this week. Uh, not hear me, but read me uh, talk about the new <laughs> Fast and Furious trailer. As soon as I found out it was debuting uh, this Sunday or today, uh, at the time of this recording. Uh, I got uh, I got on the horn to our news editor and was like, hey, can I write about this? And it definitely came from a place of, no one cares about this like I care about this. <laughs> um, no one is going to love a title as stupid as The Fate of the Furious yeah. as much as I am. I was just about to ask you, how about that title? Uh, <laughs> Fate of the Furious. Okay. Oh, man, I saw a tweet that said it's the first time a, st- a star of a movie has... Uh, has demanded that the movie be named after one of their Dungeons and Dragons campaigns. <laughs> oh, oh, yep. oh, man. Um, anyway, so yeah, you you can see me talking about that. I'm actually crazy excited to write about Fast and Furious. I've never written about the Fast and Furious before. So uh, yeah, wordofthenerd.com. There's all kinds of great stuff over there. A bunch of comic book stuff over there. Go read. Uh, man, they, they are inundated with great uh, people who write about comic books over there. Um, so if that's your thing, definitely go check them out. Uh, if that's not your thing, definitely go check them out, because I write over there. Um, yeah. And they're worth it. And, yeah. Uh, you can find everything we do at thatrealperspective.blogspot.com. That's that R-E-E-L perspective.blogspot.com. Get it? Um, <laughs> my top ten list of the year should be making its appearance over there sometime at the beginning of January. Um, I say that every year, and I never do it, but this year I have resolved to do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can find the podcast over on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, BeyondPod. If you're an Android user, you can find our YouTube show every Tuesday at um, YouTube.com, and just search the before and after show, and you'll find it. We're working on getting the custom link. I just figured out how to do that this week. Uh, didn't know Boom. that wasn't a thing. Um, oh. <laughs> <clears throat> that automatically got assigned to you. Didn't know you had to request it. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, go subscribe over there. Uh, myself and Mike Moyer over there. Corey's over there doing stuff, holding down the fort. Um, and until next time, uh, go watch something. Just go watch something. Go watch a Star Wars. Go watch a Star Revenge Wars. Of- Revenge of the Sith. Here's ten dollars. Go watch a Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Space Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> Yep.
Makana-san. Makana-san. <laughs>